great day. Sunday here in Boulder, Colorado. 28th and Pearl today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can come to 28th and Pearl here in Boulder, Colorado, United States of America, and we can lift up the Word of God here out in the public, uh, here out in the streets and the highways and the byways of our city, here in the gates where people come and go, uh, people stop and people eat and people drink and people go shopping and uh, uh, people ride their bike, people that walk by. We're able to stand here in the public arena and uh, be a light in the dark world. Uh, for those who are seeking the light, I understand, Lord, that many are not seeking the light. They don't care about the light. They don't want the light, uh, but they are deceived. If they knew what the darkness was and that they were in dark, they would immediately repent. So we just pray, Lord, that you open their eyes to see their darkness. We open their eyes, Lord, to see the evil and the wickedness. Open their eyes to see Satan. At the same time, open their eyes, Lord, they can see the light. They can see the Lord. Uh, they can see uh, salvation. They can see the truth. So they can make an intelligent decision, either darkness or light. Uh, for their life and I just thank you Lord that you uh, the prayers of a righteous people availeth much Lord I just thank you very much what you're doing in your holy name Jesus amen and amen so uh, praise God so we're in Acts chapter 20 this week uh, I took a picture of this and put it on the website and uh, on the YouTube channel too it's, the title for this week is called given them much exhortation Paul had given them much exhortation. We're in Acts chapter 20 for the entire week, and uh, we're going through all 28 chapters in the book of Acts, started on Pentecost, and we'll go all the way till we're done with the book of Acts. And then uh, the Lord has other plans for our sermons and our preaching and our teaching, so we'll wait till that time comes. We're in this season now. And the season that we're in is called Signs, Wonders, Miracles, Praise, Worship. That's the season that we're in, and uh, that's what we're working in, uh, all by faith. And uh, our letter has seven parts. Part one is on Sunday here. This is the first day of the week, first day of the week. Yesterday was the seventh day of the week. It's the Sabbath. It's the day that God rested, and uh, he also asked me for the first time in my life when I first came to Boulder, or not first came, but when I came to Boulder this time, I've been coming to Boulder since 1975. But this time here that I came to Boulder to live and to build the ministry, uh, the Lord asked me on uh, Friday afternoon or so, Friday morning, whatever it was, He said, tomorrow, which would be Saturday, the Sabbath, I want you to set that day aside as a Sabbath rest unto me. And uh, that's the first time the Lord has ever asked me to do that. I've never celebrated the Sabbath. I've never rested in the Lord. I've never set a day aside just for God. I've never done that in my life. No one has ever taught me to do that. I've never been in around any kind of uh, organization that did that. Uh, according to the New Testament, every day is the Sabbath. Every day is holy. Well, not the Sabbath. Every day is holy. Every day is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think something like uh, no, there's no special days. Every day is the same. Kind of like, uh, in other words, everything changed dramatically uh, when Jesus died on the cross and the temple, uh, the veil of the temple is ripped in twain from top to bottom and uh, it, the way into the Holy of Holies 
was made available to every single person if they go through the door, which is Jesus' flesh that shed his blood on the cross. When you go through that door, through Jesus Christ, the flesh of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ, you are washed and cleansed of your filth and of this world, and you become a child of God, and you're able to enter into the Holy of Holies and be a priest of Almighty God. Uh, how about that? I've never said it that way before, but that kind of puts a pretty interesting picture in my mind. So uh, part one, Sunday, Acts 20, verses one through four. Uh, let's just kind of get into this. Uh, Acts 20, I'm in the King James Bible. I'm always in the King James Bible. I don't read other Bibles. I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't ascribe to other Bibles, other versions of the Word of God. Uh, I have learned an, a tremendous amount of information on the history of the Word of God. I was just doing that last night, spent several hours looking through the history of the Word of God. And it is fabulous when you uh, do something like that because you come to understand what the Word of God uh, has gone through. Uh, no other book has gone through what this book has gone through. And I'm referring to the King James Bible. Uh, after the King James, a lot of things changed and uh, people are still in that other camp or that other stream of Bibles that if you follow that stream all the way upstream and all the way to the uh, beginning of that stream or that river uh, of Bibles, uh, you will end up in Alexandria, Egypt. That's where you'll end up at. But if you follow this Bible, the King James Bible, upstream, go all the way to the headwaters of the King James Bible, you'll end up in Antioch, Syria. Uh, that's where Paul be really doing kind of what's we're kind of like where his uh, headquarters was for his missionary journeys that he did. And uh, that was also where we were called Christians for the first time. And we're still called Christians today. And we're just, verse 20, uh, verse one of chapter 20 of the book of Acts. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed uh, for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia verse 4, and they accompanied him into Asia, into Asia, Sobtar of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychus and Trophimus. And if I mispronounced those men's names, I apologize. Um, Oftentimes, I'll listen to Alexander Scorby read the King James to me, and I'll try to pronounce those words, but uh, I still can't pronounce them. I, you know, they're, uh, they're foreign names to me. They're not English names, and so I have a hard time pronouncing them, as most of people who speak English do. But if you're trained in linguistics, you could probably pronounce them just fine. But I'm not trained in linguistics, and uh, so... That's the first four verses of chapter 20. Our title for this uh, week is uh, Giving Them Much Exhortation, uh, but that's also the title for today's sermon, Giving Them Much Exhortation. 
The word exhortation points us back to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's turn back there just for a moment. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. That's S-Y, not C-Y. It's not, it doesn't say prophecy. It says prophesy. All right, let's drop down. Let's skip over two and go to three. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Okay, we'll stop right there. So let me read three one more time. It says, He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to edify, to build up. That's edification. Edifice is to build something up. It's like a scaffolding to build something up. It means to exhort means to kind of uh, uh, encourage, kind of uh, uh, put some fire into their belly, kind of put a fire under their belly, a fire under their butt, trying to get them to go, kind of exhort them to, uh, uh, that means a lot of different things, but to, uh, 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 it also means to comfort. So edification, to edify, exhort, and comfort. Edify, exhort, and comfort. To build people up, to give them uh, the kind of the uh, wherewithal that they can go do what God is telling them to do and then in the, the attitude or the feeling or the way of going uh, you provide the comfort also and in there there is no rebuking there is no correcting there is no criticism there is no murmuring there is no tearing apart see that comes from the devil you know and that's what some Christians want to do to other Christians. They don't want to edify, exhort, and comfort. They want to tear down, rip apart, discomfort, and discredit another Christian. And why don't we let God do that? And why don't we just preach and teach Jesus Christ? See, but however, there are a lot of Christians who want to create a following, so that's what they do. So, uh, and that's why the following in this ministry is so thin, because I don't do that. I'm just, I bring it to your attention, but not to any one individual. I just bring it to your attention. So follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, all right? That's kind of the number one thing that you want to uh, receive. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. They're not your gifts, they're not my gifts. They're the gifts of the Holy Ghost and provides them to us as he sees need in our ministry. But once those, need, those gifts are used and accomplish what they're meant to do, he brings them back. So you don't own those gifts. Verse 13 talks about charity. That's a, that's a form of love that is only found inside a husband and wife relationship, very intimate love that is not shared in any other, uh, any other person. No other person outside of your marriage has the same type of love as a husband and wife. It's a very, uh, very, very special love, and that's the type of love we have with our Savior. Our Savior is our husband. We are the wife of Christ. All right. That's charity, uh, and uh, so follow after charity and desire. We desire the spiritual gifts, but we don't own the spiritual gifts. We desire them. We desire to please the Father. That takes faith. We desire. Uh, 
spiritual gifts, but rather, this is what rather, and this is what a lot of people don't rather. They don't even think about this. I mean, it's really interesting. This is where uh, a lot of ministers and uh, secular talk, uh, secular speakers go into, and they move into this realm of uh, prophesying. That's a religious term that means to edify, exhort, and comfort. And that was, you know, kind of, in a secular sense, it would be to teach them how to have a positive attitude, how that you can do whatever you set your mind to, uh, that, you know, that kind of success motivation type stuff. That's what prophesying is in the secular world. But in the spiritual world, the Church of Jesus Christ, what we do there is we edify them to keep their eyes onto Jesus. We keep them pointed in that direction towards heaven. We give them comfort. We edify them in, in, with using the Word of God. And we uh, build a fire into them. And that fire comes from the Spirit of God. And we deliver that fire unto them. And that is kind of what I'm using as the word for exhort, to put a fire in, their, in them. All right. So. That's a little information there. That's 1 Corinthians 14 I was reading. So we'll go on back to Acts 20. And I'll start back in the beginning here. And after the uproar was ceased, so every, I'll just talk as I go along here. I've already read these verses here. The first four verses is what we're gonna talk on today. That's what uh, part one Sundays, Acts 20, one through four. And after the uproar ceased, so oftentimes, when we're out in the public arena preaching the Word of God, uh, we cause uproar. Uh, most of the people who experience uproar out in the public are street preachers, street ministers. Uh, those who minister inside of buildings don't experience that because they're not ministering to the public at large. They're ministering to a very select private group, okay? And typically they are already believers and they don't uh, uh, they, there won't be an uproar there. Uproar being a uh, destructive a way of communicating. Uproar, the roaring. And that goes back to the Satan. Satan goes about like a roaring lion. And so people who hate God, they have that roaring within them, right? And a lot of people get scared of that uh, when they're on the street and they first start preaching on the street. People come and they roar at you. I get that just about every single day out here. They drive by, they roll the window, and they roar at me. All right, so we know that that is Satan, right? And uh, through a devil that has been assigned and probably living inside that body of that person. And that's where we do deliverance. That's where we cast the devils out. Unfortunately, people in today's world do not believe that you can cast a devil out. Uh, they don't believe a lot of things that is in the Word of God because of what they're taught. A lot of people say, well, we are conservative Christians. Well, what conservative actually means in reality is uh, they don't want to do anything the Holy Ghost is doing. That's what conservative actually means. All right? So... If you call yourself conservative, that's really what you're saying. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples. The disciples. Who's the disciple? Disciples are those who are following after Jesus Christ. And they're learning about Jesus and they're doing the work of the ministry. 
right? The Bible says, we, a corrupt Bible says you're to make a disciple. Uh, there is no way that you can make a disciple. Uh, the King James does not use that terminology because that is an impossible task to ask. And God will not ask us an impossible task to do. Uh, now, King James says you were to go and teach all nations. That's what the King James says. And a corrupt Bible, starting with the New King James and other corrupt Bibles, it says go and make disciples. And they think that's a really cool thing to do, but that is not possible. It's impossible to do that, all right? But it is not possible to go and teach all nations. That is totally, completely doable. Jesus didn't even make disciples, but he did teach and preach and call people to follow him. Some said yes, some said no, and many quit. Many quit. Many quit on Jesus, just like they do today. Many people quit the ministry. Many people quit Jesus. So when you tell people that once you receive Christ, uh, you can do whatever you want, you can quit Jesus, you can divorce Jesus and go back in the world, and when you die, he'll receive you up into heaven because uh, they'll teach you that once you're saved, you're always saved, uh, no matter what happens. Well, that is not the truth. That doesn't even happen in today's world. You join the military, you're trained in the military, and then you quit the military, you're no longer in the military. If they kicked you out of the military and gave you a dishonorable discharge, you're no longer in the military. For example, if you uh, go to school and they expel you from school or you quit your schooling, let's say a lot of high school people that in 10th and 11th grade, they quit high school. Well, once you quit high school, you're no longer a high school student. No longer will you be able to say, I graduated high school. You have to endure to the end to get that graduational uh, diploma. But if you quit, you don't get that. Just like if you were taking some kind of cancer drug to help uh, heal the cancer, and halfway in that treatment, you quit, uh, and you don't go endure all the way to the end until you're fully healed. Uh, you quit there in the, in the middle of your uh, ordeal of your healing, uh, then you die. You don't receive your healing. It's like that here everywhere. That's not unusual. So when people try to take that out of context, they say, oh, once, and they use some Bible verses. I was just reading that a few days ago, and they were trying to convince me that uh, I was teaching something wrong. I used to teach, once you're saved, you're always saved. Because then I used to use my children as an example, you know? My children will always be my children. However, when you look at the reality of life, uh, my, my son and daughter, two of my children, I have five children, two of my children, uh, don't associate with me. They don't hang out with me. I don't know what they're doing in life. I'm just, uh, they're just living their own life. I mean, we text occasionally. We, you know, talk occasionally, but they're not a part of my life and they haven't been a part of my life for over 20 years. So, uh, if they died today, I wouldn't know it. I wouldn't know, I have, I have no clue. Somebody would have to tell me. And I'm, I'm supposing that I wouldn't find out for months on end if, if I ever found out. But I would probably find out somehow, some way, eventually. See, that's how life is. And then two of my children have already died. They're in heaven. 
say, and then one of them I have no relationship whatsoever because I've never known him. I had that child out of wedlock, and uh, that was my firstborn, and he's you know, born in 1979 and uh, never met him before. I know he's a boy, don't know his name. Just being honest, is, you know, life goes on, you know. A lot of people judge people that, oh, you're supposed to be absolutely perfect. I am perfect in Christ. As I just like to be honest with people. Because my whole life, believe it or not, my whole life is public. There is nothing in my life that's hidden. A lot of people have lots of background history that is all hidden, not being able to seen by the public, but through situations in my life and through certain types of people in my life that Satan brought into my life, they have made my life from zero all the way till today, it seems like, a public knowledge, public information. So my whole life is public information. You can find me anywhere if you do the right looking around. I'm not going to direct you to those places. You can find it on your own. So Satan has plenty of tools and plenty of information to destroy me. But Satan cannot destroy me because I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't get out of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor do I make provision for to get out of Jesus. I don't make a door to get out. I don't seek to get out. I stay in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, two days ago, uh, when Friday was in Golden. That was a great day in Golden. Man, was it ever busy. I did have somebody join me about 45 minutes before I ended my session. Uh, Riley came out there and joined me. That was really great. And uh, I, let me tell you something really interesting. I've been going to Golden for four years. And off to my right, whenever, where I'm standing at 12th and Washington in front of the Buffalo Rose, to my right is the Adolf Coors statue on, on the, across the street. And uh, I saw somebody that I knew uh, standing over there. Now, not, not by sight, but by faith in my spirit. I saw them standing there, and I couldn't tell if they were holding a Bible or holding a banner. I, I, but I knew of somebody who was ministering over there and they were with me. First time I've ever seen that. And I thought, man, if I had somebody here, I would post them right over there, Lord, right where I'm seeing that person stand. Now, I wasn't seeing it, nobody was standing there, but in my spirit, I was seeing somebody stand there. See, a lot of people don't understand that. They, they don't think the spirit is real. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, we have eyes in our spirit. For, in, our, in our spirit. Anyways, uh, so when Riley got there, <laughs> look at this, Riley got there, uh, the Lord had him, uh, told me what he wanted him to do. And so I, I gave him the directions. I want you to pray this and go over there and do that. And then I want, you know, and then uh, uh, I didn't tell him to stand over there, but I told him what to do. All right, go there and pray and go over there and pray and go over there and pray. Just circulate for as long as you need. Just follow the Spirit of God and pray. And so he did exactly what I told him to do. It was amazing to see somebody do it exactly the way the Spirit of God showed me to for him to do that. And he did that, right? So we have a bunch of girls yelling and screaming at me over there. And then uh, the last thing he did is he stood across the street where I was saw that person standing, and he stood there for a very, very, very long time. And I kept looking over, and I kept looking over, and I kept looking. I said, wow, Lord, that's exactly what I saw from my first several hours out here. I started preaching about 9 o'clock. And right there, that was probably about uh, 3, 3 o'clock, 3.15, something like that. 
And I thought, wow, Lord, that is really amazing. So what does that tell me? What that tells me, that is no big deal. That's not something. What it tells me is this, and this is what it should tell you in your life. You should use it in your life. And the, what it tells me is that I was hearing from God. I was hearing from God, and God confirmed His Word, His voice, His vision, His desire, with that actually happening. See, that's how I know I'm following God. And a lot of times that, God bless you, a lot of times that happens when you have a very, very difficult work to do. And that difficult work, you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are hearing from God. Because the work is so difficult, so challenging, that you can question yourself, am I really hearing from God? And many, many Christians around you will say the same thing. I don't think you're doing what God wants you to do. I don't think God really said that to you. I don't think, you know, they just go on and on all this criticism about what you're doing. And if you're not sure that you have heard from God, you will question your walk with the Lord and you will quit your ministry. Yeah. And that is what my life has been like since day one. My whole life in ministry has been extremely difficult and very, very challenging. And all that difficultness and all that challenge is like here in the scripture, there, like an uproar, like an uproar. And that has prepared me for these years of this season that I'm in my life. And uh, because, for example, on Wednesday, uh, there was a hundred well not hundred but there was an absolute no-show. I haven't had a no-show in our church for quite a long time. And I was the only one in church on Wednesday, the only one. And I tell you, Satan started coming at me like you wouldn't believe. Finally, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do to stop? Because I don't, you know, once the church doors are open on Wednesdays, I stay. You know, I'm there because I don't know if somebody's going to show up or not. But that day, nobody showed up. And, uh, which is very rare, very, very rare. But our doors were open. And uh, so the Lord showed me, I want you to lay down on the floor and begin to worship me. And I said, yes, sir. So I laid on the floor, I had some worship music playing. I lifted my hands up and I just started worshiping the Lord for the next hour, laying on the floor in the, our church building, worshiping the Lord. I tell you, the peace of God that began to surround me is, was so comforting, that was the comforter, comforting me, because my soul was being grieved at nobody there. And years and years and years of working, thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people going by me and having zero people with me in church was extremely challenging to my spirit, to my flesh, to my mind, to my emotions. But the comforter, comforted me for that hour on the floor as I worshiped my God and my Savior. And so you can see that God has confirmed this ministry constantly. Somebody else, that's why people don't come around. I used to have a crew of people. We had one time six preachers out here and there would be a, a following across the street there at Target. But nobody comes out anymore because they don't, they're not called to do something they can't see. They need to see it, to believe it. 
And if that's not true, it is true, but if they think it's not true and I'm telling a lie, uh, they, uh, they still have not received. And most of those people don't live here anymore. They've all moved on. Anyways, uh, you have to know if God has called you to do something, just like Paul here. Paul had to have a, you know, had to have a special calling. Uh, not special calling, but just a confirmation that what he was going to do was right. And uh, it was very spectacular. So I don't know why I said all that. I just, I just know there are a lot of ministers who are struggling. And, uh, and I asked the Lord this morning in my prayer time, I asked the Lord, uh, uh, what minister, what, what minister in the Bible, all the Bible, would I be most like? So I can kind of relate to you a little bit because I'm really struggling, Lord. And uh, the first thought, the first thought was Moses. But the 40 years in the, uh, in the backside of the wilderness, you know, not the 40 years in Egypt, not the 40 years leading the Israelites through the wilderness, but the 40 years when he was tending sheep. And that 40 years, that's like, that's what you're most like. Because for 40 years, Moses had to work in a, out there when nobody was around him. He had no following, no rule. He had everything before that going for him. And he heard from God that he was going to set his people free. And he did it on his flesh, on his own, and killed that Egyptian, as we know. And he ran to the backside of the desert and disappeared. And, uh, but for those 40 years, he couldn't see a thing. He had this calling on his life to set this people free, God's people free. And he couldn't do it. He, he was... He had no indication around him, no physical uh, manifestation, no people, no nothing telling him and confirming to him that he was doing what God told him to do. That's, that's my life. That's very, pretty much been my life, my whole ministry. And uh, that's what it is now. So I'm working, that's why God says, are you willing to spend 10 years building this ministry. 10 years. Even if you can't see anything for 10 years. This is one of the things he said a little later on. Even if, you, even if you don't see anything for 10 years, are you willing to put 10 years in? And uh, I eventually said yes, after a little bit of talking with the Lord, reasoning with God. And, uh, and so we're in our we're in four and a half years, four years of May, June, July, August, September, October. Four years and five months, May, June, July, August, September, October. Yeah, four years and five months uh, next weekend. Four years and five months, we're in our fifth year. We're building out our fifth year of the 10, right? And uh, in a, another uh, 40, 39, 38, 39 days, I'll cross over my 1,000th day on the street. 1,000 days on the street. So, are you willing to go 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years of your life without seeing the result? Next year will be 50 years I've been serving the Lord and I see hardly anything of fruit in my ministry. 
50 years? Am I willing to do what I'm doing to keep on going? God continuously reaffirms on an ongoing basis, just like on Friday, just like on Saturday, and just like today, the constant confirmation, the constant uh, edification, the constant exhortation, and the constant comforting that comes from the Lord by His Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So I can come out here and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next month and the next year after year after year and I'll finish my 10 years while people around me don't know what's going on. People in Golden had no clue what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. God knew what I was doing. But the vast majority knew no, no idea what I was doing. And I'm also going to say the vast majority of Christians who saw me didn't know what I was doing. Just let, you know, there are some of us that are being prepared for a ministry that's not here yet. Moses was being prepared for a ministry that wasn't here yet. So what do you do? You wait and you do what God has put your hand to do. Right now my hand's on my banner on these sermons I'm doing on the YouTube. That's what I do. And since I said that, I'm also gonna have to tell you this. So he's provided one more tool that I need to do, and that is this GC True Study book. We're doing a class every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. live broadcasting from my home early in the morning. <laughs> That's boulder time, mountain time. And uh, so that would be uh, 6 o'clock west coast and 6, 7, 8, 9 o'clock on the east coast. So it will be 6, 7, 8, 9. So, so I'm on the 7 o'clock timeline. And we do a class on this tool. This is a tool. It's not a Bible study. And we're not, we're teaching people how to use this tool. And so I, I would really uh, encourage you to uh, join in our classes. Our, the live stream is the best, I think. There's just something unique about sitting down early in the morning uh, when you know somebody is also sitting down at their table live. And you're not by yourself. You've got a half a dozen other people and it's growing. We had six on Friday. Uh, you know, it's just a, an amazing feeling. So when you watch the replay, it's not quite the same. Not really. Uh, it just isn't. I don't know why it is, but it's just not. So that's our true study. I encourage you to do that. It's on YouTube, live streamed on YouTube. And we'll have one tomorrow morning. That'll be class number 36 of 65. So once again, the Lord asked me, are you willing to uh, do 65 classes? Now, when he said 65 classes, I, th I thought I was going to do four or five classes to get people started in the book. Uh, but that's not what the Lord had planned. He said, are you willing to do 65 classes, every class on book one? And eventually I said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do that. Then after a while, after a few weeks into that, the Lord asked, are you willing to go all uh, four books for the first year, 260 classes? And I said, wow, 260 classes. Wow. 
Because I'm one of those guys who once I commit to it, I do it. I don't say, oh, I'll commit to it and not do it. Just like the giving I gave on Saturday. I give to lots of, not lots, but many different ministries. I've committed that. I don't just give one time or two or three or four or five times or a dozen times. I give. The Lord brought that into my life. I pray about it. I count the cost. I see if we can do it or not. I make sure I'm hearing from God. And then I commit to it. And I stay after that. And I stay committed until the Lord changes that commitment. Kind of like a marriage, right? Well, God is open, no man can shut. So if I quit that commitment, that would be on me, not God. And I would suffer because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I'm giving and that becomes a challenge sometimes because oftentimes uh, you don't see the results of your giving right away, all right? So just be alert to all that. Let's go back to verse one. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and braced them and departed for to go unto Macedonia. Verse two, and when he had gone over those parts, those parts, those parts of the world he was in, Asia part, and had given them much exhortation. So he was traveling, exhorting different churches because of what was gonna happen a little later in this chapter. He was, in other words, when it says much exhortation, that word much means he was giving it everything he had. And that's what I'm doing. I'm giving much, if not all of my life to you. I'm pouring my life out. I counted on my calendar when I was updating my calendar for this week. I counted 13, uh, 13 services I'll do, 13 ministries, 13 preaching times for this week. I'll preach 13 times in this week. And I got to thinking, 13 times I'm gonna be preaching. And I do that every week, 13 times. I'll go, what, week after week? And uh, I thought, wow, that's no wonder I'm so tired. <laughs> I didn't realize that till Saturday afternoon when I was updating my calendar. And uh, you can go to our website and see our, my calendar where I'm gonna be at tomorrow. Like tomorrow's, the 20, uh, tomorrow's Monday, I'm gonna be at uh, Moorhead and Table Mesa up there from 11 to uh, three. Kind of like my winter hours, four hours. And if I can put four hours in a day, six days a week, I'll hit my target of a thousand hours. That's my objective every year is to put a thousand hours on the street. But I'm way short of that. I'm only about uh, somewhere around 750 hours this year so far. But uh, we'll see what happens. Still got a couple more, November, still got a couple months to go. So uh, don't know. We'll see what happens. giving them much exhortation. So that's what I'm doing on these sermons. Most of my sermon is not preaching. Most of my sermon is more in the form of exhortation. That's kind of if you want to see, well, how would that look like? What does that sound like? Well, all you do is listen to much, much of my sermons. You'll see most of it is in the category of exhortation with a little bit of edification and a very small amount of comfort. I don't give much comfort, but uh, most of it is exhortation. All right, 
So given them much exhortation, uh, he came into Greece. Verse 3, and there abode for three months. Three months he abode. He made his home for three months. Just like I'm aboding in Boulder for these not just three months or three years, but for as long as I have the rest of my life. I'll be in Boulder. I'll die in Boulder unless the Lord comes and gets us. Uh, imminent return could be today. You know, so we have to live with that uh, understanding that we're always ready for the return of Christ. Our whole life we live that way, expecting His return. All right? But we don't know the day, the hour, under that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, we, but we have to be ready today, right this moment. Right this moment. And that should produce fear in you that if you go and sleep with your girlfriend today, tonight, Sunday night, you went to church, to, you guys went to church and you're planning on sleeping together and having sex tonight, that might be the night that Jesus comes like a thief in the night. Guess what? You're going to stay. He won't take you. Sorry. That's called the fear of God. You better fear God for going to bed with her tonight. That's for somebody who's listening. Verse 3. And there are both three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, they were planning to take his life. As he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. So when the, you see the word purpose, you'll know that God purposes things. So the word purpose could also mean that Paul was directed his life towards God. And that purpose, that desire, a desire, a purpose are similar uh, because he was delighting himself in the Lord. God directed him to go a different way. God was protecting him. You know, just like today, I always, just about every time, maybe a couple times, I always walk down Pearl Street here from my home to this corner. But today, the Lord says, I want you to walk down Walnut today to 28th and walk up 28th to your corner. I said, oh, wow, well, that's different. Is that all right? Is that what you want me to do, Lord? Yes. So when I walked out of my house, there was no, even no thought and habitual movement in me to go up to Pearl Street from where I live and walk down Pearl. I immediately turned right and walked up Walnut Street because I heard from God. See, God confirmed it with this assurance in my spirit that what I was doing was correct. Was there something on Pearl Street that the Lord wanted me to avoid? I don't know. So what happened here with Paul, and he purposed to return through Macedonia because the Jews were laying wait for him. They were waiting to attack him. They were waiting to capture him. The Jews, God's people, hated Paul. Let me say something else about so I'm going to bring somebody to light that a lot of Christians watch and listen to because he's such an elegant speaker. He goes to many college campuses. He's a talk show host. He has his own podcast, has a television show, and that is Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is an Israelite. He is a Jewish person. He's a Jew. And he uh, listened to him yesterday. There was somebody who wanted to reveal his belief on Jesus and Christians and things like that because we're talking about the Israeli war that's going on right now. And he 
very clearly he was talking to Joe Rogan, another podcaster, and uh, he made a, dis a distinct declaration that Jesus Christ was neither a, uh, uh, was anything but another man, that his dad was Joseph and his mother was Mary, and he was not a priest, he was not a prophet at all. The Muslims believe he was a prophet, but this Jewish man, Ben Shapiro, won't even confess that Jesus was even a prophet of any sort. And it's all, all that is a lie. All of Christianity is a lie. All of the New Testament is a lie. That's Ben Shapiro. So if you're still listening to Ben Shapiro, I would caution you that you're listening to a very ungodly man. Uh, let me say this, rephrase that, not ungodly, but antichrist. He is antichrist. He is anti the Messiah. He doesn't believe in the Messiah. How about that? He believes in something else that's in the Jewish Torah. And uh, God's going to pull him up short one day. And Joe Rogan, I kept looking at his face, his re uh, reactions on his facial expressions when he was questioning Ben Shapiro. And uh, Ben didn't say, I mean, uh, 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 Joe didn't say anything, but I could say that, wow, this guy's really hanging himself. Uh, and he just, he would just make sure he heard uh, and Ben, he would make Ben repeat what he just said. It was pretty interesting, pretty interesting. That's these people right here that were trying to attack Paul. Ben Shapiro would be one of these Jews laying wait for the Apostle Paul, who is called by Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ of God, Christ of the Father. How about that? See? Wolf, sheep's clothing. Be alert, be alert. What is what his future is? I have no idea. That's God's deal, not mine. I'm just bringing light to it because God brought it to my light. Because I've listened to many hours and hours and hours of Ben Shapiro. I didn't know he believed that. Now I do. But I stopped listening to him several years ago, probably four or five years ago. I stopped listening to him because something wasn't right. I couldn't put my finger on it. I just knew something wasn't right. There's another very famous talk show host, very famous podcaster, news guy, and a lot of people listen to him. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a Mormon, and he preaches and prophesies. I mean, he prophesies. He preaches and, and lives out the Mormon lifestyle. That's also an antichrist religion. And you listen to him. I've had many people who have texted me some of his shows. I'm not going to talk who his name is. And uh, see, you have to, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you hanging around? That's why I've asked people so many times to stop moving in your life, come to a stop, look around your life, look around your home with the Holy Ghost. What is it that you want me to take out of my life? Who is it that you don't want me to associate with? What is it that you don't want me to read anymore? What is it that you want me to change in my life so I'll become more like Christ and walk in the light of Jesus Christ? I'm not saying that just to say it. I'm saying it for your warning. That is a warning right there. That's a warning. How many people heed to the warning? Very few. Very few. Very, very few.
That's why they fail. That's why they fall down. That's why they quit. That's why they go into sin. That's why they go all kinds of troubles because a Christian will not heed to warnings. What am I supposed to do? My, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to deliver the warning as per what God has told me. I don't add to the warning. I don't take away from the warning. I just deliver the warning and I keep on trucking. That's what I do. And there are both three months when the Jews laid wait for him. He was about to sail into Syria. He purposed to return through Macedonia. All right. Verse 4, and they're accompanying him into Asia. Okay, I'm not going to bother those guys, right? So these guys, so there's several guys here from different countries uh, with, with Paul. So uh, let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that uh, you, as we delight in you, uh, you give us the desires, you purpose, you show us your purpose, and that purpose gives us, gives us the strength to uh, walk down walnut rather than walking down pearl for whatever reason or for Paul to go through Macedonia instead of going the way he was going to go. All the way through the Bible, there's many, many, many stories of you leading your people a different direction. That's why I talk about so much, Holy Spirit, that we're to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So many people don't believe that. They think once they receive Jesus, they're full of the Holy Ghost, but unfortunately, none of the signs, none of the indicators, none of the, uh, nothing follows that baptism. Uh, I don't, I don't get that, but I don't get that, Lord. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I know what I've got, and, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know, Lord. It baffles me, Lord, and, uh, but that's people. That's people. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the people. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, let me kind of highlight that just for a moment. Uh, I was re on Saturdays on my Sabbath, uh, oftentimes I'll spend a few hours looking around, uh, looking around the world, of Christian world. And uh, I stumbled on some Christian uh, ministers who were talking about uh, some famous, uh, very, uh, very powerful ministers. I try to find top dog ministers uh, because they influence the most people. And uh, this person here is out of Africa. Uh, South Africa actually actually he was from Rhodesia and he moved to South Africa he ministers out of South Africa and uh, so I went to his website and uh, the guy I was listening to really built him up to some very very important man so well this important man that's in the body of Christ he still lives he still ministers over there and so I went over and uh, what he did one of the articles and several articles he wrote was how uh, the Holy Ghost uh, all the gifts of the Holy Ghost, uh, all the work of healing, all the work of casting devils out, all that type of work that Jesus did is of not of any value that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. All that, he said, all that ended, it's all gone. No such thing as prophesying, no, no such thing, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. And he was destroying anybody who talked on uh, being baptized with the Holy Ghost. Anyways, he went on. Uh, he also went on, described lots of different things going on in the body of Christ. And it really uh, made me kind of mad. But understand, I don't put labels on who I am. I'm not a Pentecostal person. I'm not a charismatic. I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a Lutheran. I'm not anything but a Christian. 
I'm a saint of God. That's who I am. I don't have any other title other than what God gave me here in the Word of God. Most people want some kind of a title. I don't, don't need a title, you know. Uh, Preacher John is a CB handle that other truckers gave me. And it's just stuck with me over years and years and years. And everyone just called me Preacher John on the two-way because I'm a truck driver for 40 years. And so that just kind of stuck and I just stuck. It just followed me wherever I went. I mean, it just followed me. I don't understand it, but it just followed me no matter where I went in the country or in my jobs. That title of Preacher John just followed me. I didn't name myself that. It was a bunch of truckers over many years that just kept calling me that. No, you're Preacher John. Anyways, uh, uh, so what I, I was doing a lot of praying about that Saturday, my Sabbath, rest in the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> And I was praying, I said, Lord, why is it that, why is that, uh, why is that? Because I know I don't have a devil. I know I don't operate in Satanism. I don't operate the way he, the guy in South Africa was telling me that I was operating. Because if I followed him down in South Africa, that guy there, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, uh, I would have to believe that I would have a devil. That I would op I'm operating by Satan. That's what he. That's what he would tell me, which is a lie. That's a hundred percent bold-faced lie. And so I was asking the Lord, why is it? Because I don't believe in a lot of the. I don't you know. People go. Let me kind of rephrase this a little bit. People go into uh, movements, and they become uh, something that God kind of starts in a sense and then people get out there, then God moves someplace else. And here's why I've said this so often. People keep going in that direction. And once people get away from God, uh, they pervert God, uh, they pervert the Word of God, they don't understand the Word of God, and they get way out there, and they build a following way out there, away from God's Word, and it causes perversion in the body of Christ. And so what people do, that leg of information they take all that leg away and uh, they destroy it. That if you go down that school of thought, uh, you're of the devil. And that is not true. Not true. And so I was praying and the Lord says, because I was, my question before the Lord for the last couple of weeks or so has been, how, how do we know when somebody is full of the Holy Ghost? Because that's what the, uh, the apostles asked the people. Look among you for men who have an honest report, are full of the Holy Ghost, and of wisdom. Now I can see the honest report. That's the honest, uh, honest testimony that they're born again, child of God. I can see wisdom because of their lifestyle. And uh, I, I kept asking, how do we know when somebody's full of the Holy Ghost? And... Uh, Without using the, uh, uh, so I have two answers for that. Uh, the most popular answer from those who don't believe in uh, tongues, uh, they'll say, well, they're controlled by the Holy Ghost. And that's how you know they're full of the Holy Ghost because they're controlled by the Holy Ghost. Uh, 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 and that goes back to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost because alcohol 
controls every part of your body. It controls your tongue. Alcohol, too much alcohol, uh, actually any kind of alcohol and drugs, uh, be you become a drunkard, uh, which will not enter heaven. Uh, you will talk differently. You will slur your words. You will look differently. You will act differently. You'll dress differently. You'll, you, every part of your body is controlled by the alcohol. But the Bible says not to be filled with alcohol, but be, be filled by the Holy Ghost. So therefore, the Holy Ghost must take control of your uh, tongue and of your mind, of your everything you're doing. Okay. See this lady here, she put her hood on. She wants nothing to do with religion, with Christianity. She stopped right there. Her hood was off. She saw what I was doing with Jesus. She put that hood up and covered herself over and walked by all covered over. See, she loves darkness. See, that's an example. I don't know if you saw it on camera. But that's real interesting. Because I saw her walking up. Uh, anyways. Um, but even that is hard to determine if they're full of the Holy Ghost. So that's, that's a question I have. So uh, in, that, in that, let me rattle on here, is I was asking the Lord, um, why are some people have you use with the gifts of the Holy Ghost, you know, the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost, why are those gifts operating in certain sections of the body of Christ where in other sections and parts of the body of Christ those gifts don't operate? See, I don't understand it. And the answer I got was uh, uh, that there are different members in the body of Christ doing different work. Like my foot has, uh, my foot has a boot on it. My boot is not on my ear. My boot is on my foot. See, that's like my boot has, uh, has is a certain gift that's given to my foot so I can walk, right? My boot doesn't sit on my ear. My boot doesn't sit on my hand. Now I can put my hand in my boot, but it doesn't fit my hand because the boot is made for my foot. It's a gift or a tool for my foot, see? So if my hand wants to rebuke my boot and say, well, you shouldn't be on your foot, you should walk barefoot or you should have a sandal on, well, you're mistalking because I need to have a boot to walk, especially with my leg and the way things are going. And so that's, what I, that's the answer I got. The answer was different parts of the body of Christ have different tools and different callings, but we're all one. And we're all one inside of Jesus Christ. But inside of Jesus, like this body, has a boot, has a shirt. My shirt isn't around my leg. My shirt was built from my torso. It's not built from my leg. You see that? My pants are a tool or a gift, let's say, for my legs. I don't have it wrapped around my head. You see, you see that? That's what people want to do. They want to mix you all up. That's why I talked about earlier, you have to know that God has spoken to you because you're gonna have people, good people, honest people, wonderful people, loving people who will come to you and say, brother, I gotta talk to you. You're not really doing what God wants you to do because I can see you're really off track. Now, if you listen to that, when you know for a fact that God has confirmed that you are walking correctly, uh, you could get all mixed up. And I've been there because of the type of ministry I've been in. I've been 
questioned so many times, it's like normal for me to be questioned. But I know that God spoke to me, just like today. Go down walnut rather than pearl. It was a beautiful walk. Anyways, I just thought I'd highlight that a little bit more in this sermon. So uh, let's pray one more time. So I thank you that we can uh, come to you and talk about boots and pants and shirts as symbols of uh, the gifts that you have in the body of Christ. Not everybody wears a boot. Some people wear sandals. Not everybody wears pants. Some people live where they wear shorts or a skirt. You know, some men wear a, a sarong around them. You know, in the Polynesian islands, they don't wear pants or shirts. They wear a sarong, you know. And some people wear hats. Some wear people ball caps. Some wear uh, Western cowboy type hats. You know, everybody wears something different because of where they are in the world. Why do I got to put down some man who lives in Polynesia because he's wearing a, a sarong instead of a long pair of pants? See, I mean, we're all wearing, working where God has placed us, where God has placed us. And I thank you, Lord, that people will stop criticizing, stop condemning, stop murmuring, and stop tearing down the body of Christ, but be edifying the body of Christ, be exhorting the body of Christ, and be comforting all the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that that becomes a real vision, a real delight, a real dream for every believer, that they can walk in, in much exhortation, as our title is. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, man. God bless you. Have a great day. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.